Thank you for visiting Crosslane Community Church. We're located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information and additional sermons, please visit our website at clcchurch.com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. Um, for Pastor Appreciation Month, some friends got me this book, and it's called The Jesus Book. It's, uh, it's a New Testament translation of the Bible in Hawaiian pidgin, apparently on the Hawaiian Islands. There's some remote parts of the island, and it kind of sounds like Jamaican to me. But since they got it for me, I thought I would read um, a passage for you out of it. And we're going to be in Matthew 23, 23 today. So if you, this will give you guys a chance to get there. But I'm going to, again, laugh all you want. I don't mean to poke fun at the at the at the language, but it just sounds funny because I'm I'm saying it. So it says. Uh, and the first word is supposed to be woe, but it's a word that I don't know what it is. It's A-U-W-E. So I'm just going to say woe. It's woe, you teach you guys. You teach God's rules and you Pharisee guys, you guys go and get it. You guys say one thing and do another. You guys give God 10% from the spice like the mint, the dill kind spice and the cumin spice, but you guys no do the main stuff God's rules say. You guys no make right to the other guys. You guys no give them chance. They can no trust you guys. Das the main thing. Do that stuff just like you guys supposed to, and no forget the ten percent too. You guys no can see nothing, and you guys try for show the other guys way for go. You guys pick out one small fly from inside the soup, but then you like you guys let one big camel stay inside the soup, and you swallow the whole thing. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. Um, we're in the middle of of a conversation that Jesus is having with some uh, the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees. And he's, uh, if, you, if you've ever read this before, he's, the conversation is not a normal conversation. I mean, he's calling the guys names and he's like, you, woe, you hypocrites, you blind guides. And he says strange things like you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. And if you're like me, you read that and you just are like, you just you gloss over it. You don't have any idea what that means. And the historical context is lost on us. So as I prepared for this, I learned a ton. I hope you guys do uh, this morning as well. And so we, we pick right up in Matthew 23, verse 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now, you have Jesus opening up a conversation with a group of people with a nice, calm, loving intro. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Now, what is Jesus talking about, and why does he begin his rant dealing with the giving of spices? To understand all this, we need to turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy uh, 14. So Deuteronomy 14, it's back towards the front of your Bibles. Deuteronomy 14, there, there are all sorts of just uh, random laws in Deuteronomy. If, if, in Leviticus, the laws are a little bit more ordered. Um, but in Deuteronomy 14, has, we're going to find a central law that the people were to live by. So Deuteronomy 14, verse 22. It says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. Okay, so take a tenth of what your fields produce, 
new wine, grain, new wine, olive oil, a tenth of your herds and flocks, and eat that tenth in the temple area, which for them would have been, um, that was just in the presence of God, the temple area, so that, and here's the reason why they were to do this, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God. Okay, now here are a couple of basic principles that are central to understanding where something like this comes from. First of all, all of life is a gift. All of life is a gift. And God, he's forming a people here. Early on in the story, he has rescued these people from Egypt and he has called them to be his people and he is teaching them something central to what it means to be human. Now remember that in, in scriptures, it's never just about religion. It's not just about being Jewish or Christian. It's always about what it means to be human. And central to being human is understanding that everything is a gift. All of life is a gift. And then secondly, a a truth that that we have come to reflect on often is that food is central to life. Okay, you need food to live, right? So God is teaching these people that all of life is a gift so that in your partaking of the food that comes from the earth, take a tenth of it and set it aside and consume it in the area of the temple, which for them was in the presence of God. Now, we now understand that the presence of God is everywhere. Okay, but for them, consuming it in the temple area was a way of acknowledging God. I understand that everything I have is a gift, and food, which keeps me alive, which physically sustains me and continues to give me life, food is a gift from you, God. So, olive oil, grain, wine, firstborn of your herds, herds or flocks. Now, Jesus says to them, you tie the tenth of your spices. Does the text in Deuteronomy say a tenth of your spices? No. But the Pharisees, because they were so unbelievably passionate about following God to every last detail, took this to mean a tenth of anything that you grow. So they would grow spices for their food, and they would tie the tenth of their spices. Okay. I went and got some cumin. Here's a bottle of of cumin seed. If you've ever grown a garden, um, you know that herbs and spices don't come in in large quantities. Um, And back then, they didn't have you know machinery to be able to plant large fields so I'm thinking this probably would have been about a normal harvest for for Pharisee that's probably about a tenth I realize for you in the back this is an incredibly effective illustration but that's about a, a tenth of, of, of out of this jar here okay so the Pharisees would tie the tenth of their spices Jesus said, you Pharisees are so unbelievably zealous in your obedience to God's laws that you actually take the cumin out and count it out until you have a tenth of the cumin and you bring the cumin into the presence of God. And then it's, you know, there God is pleased with my abundant sacrifice. He says your passion, your fixation, perhaps you could say your obsession with fidelity to God's laws means you pay attention, you obey things down to actually giving a tenth of your spices. You are that committed to obedience to God. Now, notice how the text continues. We're back in Matthew 23. Matthew 23. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now, the word justice in the Greek language is the word krises. Krises, it means that which is right 
or equity or fairness. In the Hebrew scripture, the word justice comes from the root word shafat. Let me hear you say shafat. Shafat. Okay. And the actual administration of justice is mishfat. Let me hear you say mishfat. Mishvat. Okay, so justice is mishvat. It's this ancient, heavy, huge word. Now, to get an idea, when he says justice, mercy, and faithfulness, what Jesus is talking about, I'm going to show you a couple places in Scripture where justice is mentioned. First, you have to go to uh, Proverbs 18.5. And if you haven't figured out, we're all over the Bible this morning. So just try to keep up. Proverbs 18. I'm going to show you where Shaphat and Mishphat are mentioned. More importantly, you need to notice what is mentioned in conjunction with Mishphat. Proverbs 18.5. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the innocent of justice. A partiality to the wicked, that is someone whose heart is bent away from God, uh, depriving the innocent. These are issues where, where we do not have justice. Okay, now turn with me to Ecclesiastes 5, another place where we get a sense of what justice is and isn't. Ecclesiastes 5, just one book over from the right to the right. Ecclesiastes 5, 8. It says, If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. So in Ecclesiastes, justice is intertwined with rights being denied. Okay, another way to think about justice is what are the things that I think I'm entitled to as a human being? And when someone else is deprived of those rights, what we have is an issue of justice. So we're going to look at a place where justice is mentioned, and it's in Malachi uh, 3.5. And Malachi is one of those books. It's like right before Matthew. Malachi 3.5. says so I will come near to you for judgment I will be quick to testify against sorcerers adulterers and perjurers against those who defraud laborers of their wages who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive aliens of justice okay so justice is linked with defrauding defrauding the laborers of of their wages or or we could just say fair trade Um, when somebody isn't given a fair wage for fair work done oppressing the widow and the fatherless that's going to be the orphan and depriving the foreigners among you of justice so, so when Jesus says to them you have neglected justice our assumption is these are the kinds of things he was talking about and referring to okay so let's just real quickly review those depriving the innocent of um, rights denied uh, defrauding of wages oppressed widows and orphans now Jesus says you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness now to understand second the word mercy let me tell you what, what that is in the Greek language. It's elios. Elios. It means compassion or active pity. It isn't just, oh, that, that poor person. It's, it's, oh, that poor person, and, and what can I do to act on behalf of them to help them? Now turn with me to Matthew 6. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. We have looked at justice now. Um, we're going to look at mercy. When Jesus uses the word mercy, it is used several times in the New Testament. I'm going to show you two of those places to give you an idea of what Jesus means. He uses the same phrase in his, you have neglected mercy. He also uses in Matthew 6.1. 
Matthew 6, 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Okay? Be careful not to do your acts of Elias, not to do your acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Verse 2, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. Now, perhaps the best definition of what mercy is is, is verse 2, which is Jesus' own definition, when you give to the needy, okay? Now, turn with me over to Acts chapter 3. So when he says justice, mercy, it's giving to the needy, or at least that's Jesus' definition of it. Acts 3 The word is used two times in the same story. Acts 3, verses 1 and 2. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer all th- at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, the phrase Elias, mercy, is translated here where he was put every day to beg. Sometimes it's translated begging as in actively going and seeking out Elias, mercy, the compassion and pity of others. Now, turn with me back to Matthew 23, our, our original text. So Jesus says to them, you tie the tenth of your spices. I mean, you are unbelievably unbelievable in your devotion to the smallest minuscule matters of God's law but in the process you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness now the word faithfulness is the word pistos it means fidelity or true heartedness it's the calling of God on these people that Jesus was speaking of to be a kingdom of priests to the people of God in the world you have failed to show the world what God is like so he holds up these two dimensions to being true to God one is is the, the tenth of spices, individual morality in your own walk with God. And then Jesus says there are these other matters, the innocent being deprived, the laborer not receiving a fair wage, justice being denied to people, orphans being oppressed. And he holds up these two and he says, you are so zealous about your individual morality and rule keeping that in the process, something has gotten lost in regards to justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then he says this, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. What does he say? He says you should do both. Your own individual morality you should do, but you should not neglect justice, mercy, and faithfulness. If we were to put this in a language that we, we could all understand, I think Jesus would be saying this. How you spend your money matters. The websites that you visit matter. Who you're sleeping with matters. The drugs that you take and put into your body matter. Gossip that you spread matters. Language that you use matters. Sexuality and how you understand that and exercise it matters. The kinds of things you allow into your head and feed on matter. Whether or not you're in the active process of forgiving those who have wronged you matters. Lying, cheating, stealing matters. All of these things matter. Your individual purity, morality, devotion to God, and adherence to the way of God matters. Deeply important are these things. You should practice these things. You should be vigilant about your thought life. You should be vigilant about what you do with your body, about how you spend your money, about how you spend your time, because all of life is a gift. These things matter. But what is the phrase Jesus uses in regards to personal morality versus justice, mercy, and faithfulness? 
the phrase Jesus uses is the more important matters. The more important matters. Well, of course, your own individual walk with God is important. But the phrase Jesus uses is more important matters. And he says to the Pharisees, you have been so zealous and passionate about making sure that you're right with God that in this you have actually neglected the more important matters of the law, which I would summarize with this. The world is suffering and God wants his people to do something about it. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay, and Jesus' condemnation of the religious people is you have been so obsessed in your walk with God that you have in the process actually missed the big picture of what God wants to do in the world. Woe to you Pharisees, you have missed the point. I just wish that Jesus' word had some relevance for the day that we live in. And then he does something that is such a curveball, it's gonna take us a while to unpack. In verse 24, he says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Now, in the, in the obscure realm of preaching references, you just you can't beat this one. He, Jesus ends this section with a pun. In, in Aramaic, the word gnat is the word kamla, and the word camel is the word gamla. It's like a brilliant little, you strain out a kamla, but you swallow a gamla. It's lyrical. It would have been like a, a boom, boom, kamla, gamla. He's knocking them out. And, and in Scripture, there is always a deeper meaning, even in the most subtle of texts. Now, for one clue to figure out where Jesus is going, turn to Luke 11. Okay, Luke 11 is what's called a parallel passage to this Matthew 23. Parallel passages... Um, is uh, lots of things Jesus said multiple gospel writers pick up on. And in verse 37, you can see the context of this setting was a meal. Luke 11, verse 37 says, When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to, uh, to eat with him, and so he went in and reclined at the table. Okay, now skip down to verse 42. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give uh, God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God, you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Okay, so you see, same idea, slightly different words. So the setting is a meal. Now, a Pharisee, because they were so unbelievably zealous, remember God, here's a tenth of my cumin, see, I love you, okay? They were so unbelievably zealous, what they would do when they would eat is they were terrified they would get a bug or a gnat in their drink. And so imagine reclining at a table with a Pharisee, multiple Pharisees, because there was probably more than one. And I realize the strainers wouldn't have looked like that back in that day, but I can't get one of those. Would have looked a little silly to us. They would have been sitting at the table, oh, I'm thirsty, take the strainer out, take a drink, set it down, put your strainer back in. Man, that cumin's good, I gotta take a drink put my strainer back on, okay? And this would have gone on for the duration of the meal. Multiple people around the table doing this. So why didn't they want a gnat in their wine? Well, our answer is because it would be gross from the first book of duh, you know, of course. <laughs> Nobody wants a gnat in their, in their drink. No, there's a religious reason too. Uh, turn, turn in your Bibles to the book of Leviticus 11. It's back up towards the front. Leviticus, let's see, where are we going? Leviticus 11. Now, for a good Torah-observant Pharisee, all of this just, just wasn't because you just didn't want a gnat 
in your drink. It was because there was some religious significance. For Pharisee, their understanding of why things had fallen apart for them was, was this. Remember, you're a good Jew. You live in Israel. You believe you're God's chosen people. You believe that God called your father Abraham and you're one of Abraham's sons or daughters. And your job is to show the world what God is like, okay? So your worldview is built on you are a chosen, special, and, and predestined. But something unfortunate has happened. World history hasn't really worked that way. You have been conquered by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Your, your ancestors were slaves in Egypt. And you have now been conquered by the Romans. And the Romans have just crushed you. And you have Roman soldiers in, in all of your streets. And the Roman soldiers don't even believe in, in the God that you believe in. And so as a good Jew, you live with this aching that you were supposed to be the ones who showed the world what God is like. And whoever is in charge of the world, we just, keep, we just keep getting beat up. And so central to the worldview of the Pharisees would be to explain it like this. Um, I will tell you why this has happened. It's because of sinners. A Pharisee would say, God is judging us because we haven't been pure and upright. So in Leviticus 11.20 says, all flying insects that walk on all fours are to be detestable to you. So that is a subspecies of that. The Pharisees live by a strict diet called kosher. And so the reason you don't want a gnat in your wine is because you are a Pharisee and you want to be ritually clean. You don't want to accidentally drink a gnat because it, it would make you unclean. So what's up with the camel thing? Well, look at verse 4, Leviticus 11, verse 4. It says, There are some that only chew the cud or only have a split hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. So what's Jesus doing here? The gnat and the camel thing has something to do with unclean, which has something to do with Leviticus 11, which has something to do with the laws of God. What's Jesus doing here? It's a crushing blow to the Pharisees because for them, everything was about being right with God, being clean, being holy, being pure, being in right standing with God. It's the driving thing for a Pharisee. And Jesus says, you are so consumed with being in right relationship with God and with your own personal holiness and purity and cleanliness. You are spending so much time making sure you don't get any gnats in your wine that in the process you have neglected the bigger issues of the suffering of the world and because God's heart beats for the suffering of the world and because you have missed the more important matters all of your acts of cleanliness have led you to be unclean before God you strain out a gnat but in the process you're swallowing a camel so it's just about me and God and it sounds great but that's not what Jesus teaches we cannot be so focused on ourselves that we neglect the more important issues of justice and mercy and faithfulness, which God never stops talking about, which Jesus never stops talking about, which the first Christians never stopped talking about. God isn't just interested in saving you. God isn't just interested in redeeming me. God isn't just interested in helping you work through your stuff. And God isn't just interested in your own morality, purity, and devotion to the way of Jesus. God wants you to use you to do something about the greatest suffering in the world. Are you with me? Yes. Now convert your blessings from Jesus and turn them into blessings for others. We take very seriously around here our own personal walk with Jesus. But more importantly, we take serious how we are using God's gifts to be a blessing to others around the world. 
If you're a Christian and you're here with us today, what's all this mean for you? I, I hope you learn some of, uh, from, from that. Um, all of life is a gift. How are you using the gifts that God has given you today to, to end suffering, to bring heaven to earth, okay? How are you using that? In your bulletins, I think there was a, a white page for you to take some notes on. It says justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Um, as we go into a time of prayer, now would be a good time for you to maybe write something down. What have you been neglecting? What have you missed that you were so focused on yourself that you missed suffering around you and you could have been, could have been the hands and feet of Jesus to someone around you but you missed it because you were so focused inwardly instead of outwardly. It'd be a great, great place for you to write something down and just to focus on that. How do you fix that problem? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, um, we're going to go into a time of singing, and, and um, that would be a time for you to come forward and just say, you know what? I believe that God is real. I believe that he sent his son Jesus to die for me, and I want to pitch in. I like this place, and it's just a public way to, uh, for me to acknowledge that, that uh, I believe in all that, and I want to I come and fight for the, the greater, uh, greater suffering in the world and to make a difference. And so that'd be a time for you to come forward and do that. Um, pray with me if you would. Father God, you are an awesome God. And we are so blessed. You give us so many gifts. Uh, Father, we, we here in America are so blessed and we, we tend to take these things for granted so often and just just forgive us of our sins of doing that, Father. Help us to give us spiritual eyes. Help us to see, Father, the things that we are neglecting. Help us help to take our eyes off of ourselves. It's so easy to be focused on who we are and, and our problems. And help us, Father, to focus on the greater suffering in the world and help us, help us to be able to, to see it and to do something about it. Father, we thank you for this place where we get to come and worship you and in all your glory and we just um, we pray all this in Jesus name Amen Thanks again for visiting we hope you've been encouraged please feel free to download additional sermons at clcchurch.com